The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Today's episode is brought to you by the folks over at SeatGeek, the best and easiest to use ticket platform out there. They take the confusion out of buying tickets using a 0 to 10 scoring system and a green is good, red is bad color rating system so you and your loved ones get the best deal possible. So whether it's going to see our beloved Red Legs at Great American Ballpark, the Bengals over at Paycor, FC Cincinnati, one of the area college teams, or pretty much anything in between, use promo code RIVERFRONT at checkout and receive $20 off your first order. Click the link in the show notes to download the app and get started. That's Riverfront, one word, for 20 bucks off. What up, what up, what up? My name is Tim Daniel. His name is Ben Brown. And we have a friend of the show joining us today, as you see here. Stephen Offenbaker, hanging out with us over from the beautiful islands. Welcome, pal. What is happening? Hey, I'm going to hijack the show right out of the gate. Because you got your seat geek ad there going at the beginning of this thing. Uh And of all of the available voices that participate in the riverfront to record the static seat geek ad. Y'all went with the one that sounds like this. I don't understand it. <laughs> There's so many people to choose from, and you went with the one that's going to talk about mama and them. I don't know. Maybe you're like <laughs> pitching to a, 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 maybe you're pitching to a specific 
you know, region of geography. I'm not sure, but it just it's a it's a little throwing when you you have this guy selling the tickets and then you come on ready to plant corn and you know talk about midwestern <laughs> things. I don't know. Anyway, back back to you, Tim. Uh, <laughs> that is a uh, old dashing Nate Dotson, as we call it here <laughs> on Late Night Reds, that does that for us. But yeah, uh, I uh, I'm sure if I had recorded it, he would have not stopped me. So I just didn't know. So, but it makes all of our show. We have too many shows for all of us to do one now, right? Like so, we right. have one we just pass around to everybody. Uh, but I will make sure I get that in our next productive production meeting, Steve. So thank you, I appreciate it. <laughs> I have been. Throughout probably the last three or four months, anytime Steve needed Jeff's doppelganger to fill in, of course, he called Jeff's doppelganger uh, being me. So I felt like it was only fair to bring him over here for an episode because it's I haven't had you on since before the season. Um, no, I had you and, it's been a while. Yeah, I had you and Jeff on together uh, for the season. Um, I, I borrowed you as uh, we uh, we do here in the parts. And uh, he was named will come up later in the show, everybody. So, you know, what will happen there. Uh, but we're going to be talking about Ben and I are continuing our series of evaluations by position by position. And uh, this week we're going to go with the infield. I didn't want to go first base, second base, because God, that will take forever. I know I'm trying, trying to kill time in the off season with, with content, but we'd know what the infield oh, is. See, and we're going to go first base, second base, because we have a lot, <laughs> more, a lot more episodes over on my show that we got to fill between now and, you know, Oh my God. So yeah. Yeah. actually I want to tell a funny story. Um, about Steve's show before we get into this. So uh, I was a guest on Locked on Reds two weeks ago. Uh, Steve hit me up and he goes, hey, man, Jeff's not feeling well. Uh, do you mind filling in for an episode? I'm like, yeah, of course. Love love, love working with you guys. And we did this thing where it was like, instead of picking like who's the all-time greatest Red position by position, we picked our favorite player position by position. It's a great episode. It's in, it's in their archives. You want to go check it out. And we get to third base. And Steve brings in Frank Robinson. Like, you can't go wrong there, right? I mean, I know he only played, like, 20 games there, but... 13 he's, games. He's Frank freaking Robinson. Like, you know, that's, like, royalty. <laughs> um, and I brought up uh, Aaron Boone just because I grew up with that team. Um, really, like, really, really loved that, you know, that era of the Reds because that was, like, when I started, like, really, really getting involved. And, of course... You forget one name in third base, everyone thinks you're an idiot. They're like, what about Pete? What, what about, about Pete? Pete? What about yeah. Pete? Guys, I'm just going to go on record in here. You can cut this. You can send this. I don't care. Piro sucks as a person, so I will never, ever, ever give him his flowers on this <laughs> place, All right? I have no respect uh, for him, so I will talk dude, about everyone the sun. There were people quitting the show in the comment section because neither one of us talked about Pete and – um. You know, and I told you the comment section was going to catch fire, and it did. Oh yeah. Hey, did you get did you get Todd Frazier heat for that? No, no, no. I only get that when I do fake Reds home run derbies. Yeah, I was going to say the Todd Frazier heat you received for for not putting him in the all time home run derby list for Reds, dude. That that was that was, that was nuclear heat right there. That was insane. That was insane. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I mean. Look, realistically, yeah, Todd Frazier won a home run derby. Is that Great American Ballpark? It's probably at this moment the greatest moment in Great American Ballpark history. Um, but with that being said, if you take all the power hitters in Reds history, Todd Frazier's not making that what eight guys who participate. He's just not. Yeah. So that's you mean the Todd father? Yeah. Like I would put Eric Davis on the rubber him. You know? So 
And yeah. Steve and I had a really lengthy conversation about it. So actually, about Eric Gates, he is the coolest guy to ever play baseball. Uh, that's a frequent Chad Dotson and Tim Daniel conversation as well. Um, yeah, Ed Ed was my guy. Yeah. So check those out. It's a lot of fun. Uh, Todd Frazier would not be in the all-time Red Summer Derby. All right. So this week's episode, we're going to get into uh, the Reds infield options. Uh, and I felt like this was just the best picture of all time to do here. If you're watching on the YouTube channel, if not, it's from that series when the Reds went to uh, LA to play the angels and all the young guys are like staring at Shohei Otani. Like he's like King Arthur. Um, mm-hmm. they're just like, I can't believe he's like right in front of us. And it's like the most like heartfelt, wholesome moment with all these young dudes staring at the best baseball player in the world. Like, Holy moly. And that was one of my favorite moments of the season. There were an Ellie like goes up and taps him on the shoulder. He's like, I was just making sure you were real. Uh, <laughs> just such a great, wholesome, awesome moment. Um, mm-hmm. So really want to get there. So let's talk real quick, because I think general consensus before we get into the slides is we more than likely know what the infield is for 2024, as long as everyone's healthy, right? CES, right. Matt McLean, Ellie De La Cruz, Noel V. Marte. Um, but today, Mark Sheldon has this article come out where he talks with Nick Crawl, and of course, Nick Crawl's Nick Crawl. Um, and you know, how do you how do you say that politely? <laughs> yeah, my man needs a publicist to say all of his conversations for him. All right, strictly put. Uh, and I'm, I just saw the time. I saw Mr. Wants Paul talk about the picture. Said five future Reds in 2024 in that picture, right? I think there's about 60% of the fan base would actually be mad if the Reds signed Shohei Otani. They'd be like, how dare you sign the greatest baseball player, potentially skill-wise of all time? No, that that contract would clearly hamstring the franchise forever. It would be all Shohei's fault. Right, yeah. How do you sign guys the big contracts? Like, how dare you? Um, but so this so today, you know, Malik's what he's saying is, uh, he's like, I'm not going to just trade Jonathan India to help other people. I'm like, how many people is Jonathan India helping? If you catch my drift, um, he brings <laughs> up the fact that he brought up multiple times. Steve, you guys talked about this on lockdown last week. Uh, he's brought up multiple times during this off season that Jose Barrero will be on the big league roster. Cause he is out of minor league options. Um, you know, I guess he's not going to have to make the team. Oh, yeah. He did say also that all these young guys are going to have to make the big league roster next year, which leads to some people. I will I will refrain my opinions from saying that L.A. De La Cruz will start the season the minors next year. Someone, <laughs> someone actually published that article. That was an article there that was published. Is, there is a better chance of me hooking up with Jessica Alba than there is of Ellie De La Cruz starting the season in Louisville. Let, just write that down right now. There's, there's just no way that is going to happen. Yes. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah. That's wild. Absolutely. Uh, so, of course, and when we look at this, and this just furthers my frustration with the Joey Votto thing. Of like, it's like we didn't have playing spot playing room for Joey Votto. Okay, I understand where you're coming from. I get it. But then you're like, well, we aren't just going to get rid of Jonathan India. We we need that. We need that. It's like, what? Like, where is he going to play? If 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 Matt McLean's your dude, which like newsflash, Matt McLean's your dude. Uh, mm-hmm. He was probably the best of the rookies before he got injured last year. He was the best for the the rookies before he got injured last year. Uh, you're not. Uh, Nick Crawl, my dog, you've done some really good things in your tenure as a general manager of the Cincinnati Reds. I appreciate 
a good amount of things you have done. Get someone to talk for you, my dude. Just get someone to talk <laughs> for you. Um, so, and we're going to get into all this here, but big picture, the future obviously looks really bright for these four young dudes who are going to be manning the Reds infield, hopefully for the next decade. Uh, how excited are you guys? And Steve, we'll start with you as our guest about what we could see from these te- these guys potentially in year two. You know, they've only scratched the surface of their talent. I think that's the most exciting part of this whole thing. They were all just still learning, learning how to deal with major league pitching, learning how to be major leaguers, learning to deal with the demands of playing a professional sport at that level. Uh, They're only going to get better. Uh, The Reds, you know, are, are in this rare situation where they hit a home run on multiple players, and that doesn't happen very often. But this infield, when you when you go around and you basically, you know, you you assume it's going to be CES, McLean, Ellie, Marte. That infield just has so much more talent to demonstrate. They're going to get so much better. And that's not to say there won't be some growing pains in year two, but we're looking at six, seven years of just amazing baseball talent that's all going to be playing together. And I, I'm listen, I couldn't be more excited about where the Reds are right now. It's been a long time coming. We have waited, sometimes patiently, sometimes not. And we're all about to finally get our dues for sticking around and staying with this team while they finally figured it out because they have finally figured it out. And there's going to be so much fun baseball at Great American Ballpark in 2024. Yeah, I, I I tend to agree, man. I, I it, It's so exciting. If you've followed the Reds for a long time, like it's so exciting to see that young talent, homegrown talent, stay in your organization, come up and have the success that they're going to have. Like it's it's going to be really cool. I mean, we've talked about this before, like the way those guys were just learning how to play the game. They had their ups, they had their downs, they hit strides, they hit lows. Everybody talked, you know, we moved Ellie around in the batting order. You know, Steer, you know, was a guy that we knew that we could rely on. McLean gets hurt. I mean, these guys are just now. I mean, then you got Marte, you got CES. All these guys are just starting to learn, is just starting to like, like Steve said, just scratching the surface of their potential and where they're going to be. So Reds baseball should be exciting for at least the next five to seven years uh, with all of that talent uh, uh, sitting there. And like you said, it, it's a, not saying that Jonathan India tears up the baseball world, but when you're struggling to find the spot for a guy that has been in the running for NL Rookie of the Year, who has been a leadoff hitter, who's shown some success, when you're when you're when your struggle is to find the space for him, like you're in a pretty good spot. Yeah, I absolutely agree. All right, so let's go ahead and start here. Uh, obviously, while I don't think Ben and I could have picked a better week to take off last, like within last <laughs> week when this news came out, because I literally took Twitter off my phone because I couldn't handle it anymore. I just couldn't handle the constant bitching and badgering back and forth between the fan base. Um, it's great that everyone's passionate. It's great everyone has opinions. I'm not upset about that, mm-hmm. but like this got hostile. And it was too hostile and it was stupid that it got hostile because mm-hmm. like it's Twitter. Um, my boss is here at the Riverfront taught me one valuable lesson. Twitter's not real, guys. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So life without Joey Votto. And uh, there's a few things I'm going to get off my chest about that as well. But through this conversation, but we now know, right? Decision's been made. 
we're not having this hang over our head. We're not having this badgering back and forth of what's right or what's wrong. Should they, shouldn't they? Um, we obviously always knew the 20 million option was not going to get picked up, but mm-hmm. I think now this leaves this big gaping hole in the, in the, in the clubhouse, as far as like, who is the guy you look to now? Who's the guy that's like, man, I'm really struggling. I can't find my hits right now. I'm like three for my last 17. I've hit in the five double plays. Like what, what am I doing wrong? Who's there to be that guy now? And so I think that's the big question is like, how do you, 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 you may be able to fill what he's been the hitter since, you know, 22, 23, because he wasn't himself. Right. Mm-hmm. But how do you feel having a guy like that in your clubhouse now? Or can you? That's a tough one, man. I, here's the thing is there's a good and a bad to it. So, of course, we all, I mean, we all have much respect for Votto. We all know that he's been struggling through injuries. We all know that this wasn't the Votto form that we were used to seeing. Um, and we all understand that. I mean, it, we know that. And we knew that the option wasn't going to get picked up. And we, you know, we saw the writing on the wall. Um, so we get that part. And I understand that, you know, you can't hold on to the hold on to him. You want to move on. That's great. Um, the good part of that is, is that sometimes young guys rally around young guys. So like, They've got all that youth in the in that lineup. They got all that youth in the locker room. They got all that. And sometimes young guys just rally around young guys. Now, there are instances where you need that vet, and I don't know where that's going to come from. But what you hope is is that the guys that you've gone through the fire with this past year and almost made it to the playoffs with are now going to be one step closer to being um, closer to their big lean form going into the 24 season. So it sucks. Joey Votto's gone and we're not going to harp over that because we, you know, that's been harped over enough, but I do have faith in the guys that we have in that clubhouse now um, that are just young studs, just young lions ready to get going. So I, I, you know, I, I think those guys are rally around one another and, and, and go from there. I, I think Ben's on the right track with this. Um, was Joey Votto that that veteran leader guy that they could go to? We don't know. I mean, some things have been said, but I think that that scenario that you need a veteran guy for for the young dudes to go to, it's a lot different now than it was in the 80s and the 70s That's and the That's 60s. very accurate, yeah. It, there's so much information available. There's so much between the analytics and the video and the technology and the coaching staff. And just the fact now that, you know, back in the day – players on different teams weren't necessarily always friends or friendly. And, and all the time now we hear about a player from team a called player from team B and talked about a certain thing and they worked out together in the off season and they helped each other develop. So I, I think it's a little bit different in what you need. Uh, I think Ben's on the right check in that. I think this youth, the, this young core, they're going to keep each other accountable. They're going to provide the leadership to each other. And if one of the, uh, you know, I'm, I'm resisting so much calling them like the fab five or whatever, but <laughs> just if, if one of this, one of this group slides or gets out of line or struggles, I think the others will all rally around and lift them up and help them through. So it's, it's a different scenario. I think they're collectively going to lead this team. Mm. Yeah, those are great points. Um, I very well could be overrating veteran leadership there. Um, I don't 
discount myself by any means on those things. But I think you guys both make awesome points there. And I think you're very accurate. I think it's just certainly going to be the case. Um, I'm going to say this real quick before we get to the next topic here. And because Steve mentioned this on Monday on Locked on Reds. Again, it's a phenomenal episode. Go check it out. They talk about all the stuff. It's, a, it's their first episode post to Joey News. Uh, when guys like me or Steve or Ben or Chad or Nate or any Reds podcaster out there who was like pro bringing Joey back mentioned the fact that we felt that Joey was done dirty. The contract is not the point. Okay. No. So stop bringing up the goddamn contract because that's not what we're saying. What we're saying is like Joey Votto had Patrick Kevlahan to protect him in the order. Joey Votto had Jose Peraza to protect him in the order. Joey Votto had Delson Herrera to protect him in the order. Joey Votto had, I mean, Scott Shadler was okay, pretty decent. Maybe I shouldn't use his name, but like my point being that when we say like Joey was done dirty, one, this decision was made long before the day it came mm-hmm. out. We know this. So like, and I know everyone's going to be like, well, Joey didn't want that. And maybe he didn't. I don't, I doubt Miguel Cabrera wanted Detroit to do it for him either. They did mm-hmm. it because they mm-hmm. said, thank you for everything you brought to our organization. I think he earned that right. And yes, he was paid very well, but he also paid to the point where he was double the value of his contract. So we don't want to hear about how he wasn't done dirty because he made 225 million. He was done dirty because his team never did anything with the contract. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, the highest paid player he played with was who Homer Bailey. Was he the highest paid player he played with? Roldis Chapman? Probably Bailey. Bailey's yeah. probably. Yeah, I was going to say, I would say Bailey, probably. Yeah, I don't have the contracts in front of me. I don't know what Mike Moustakis made. But, oh yeah, Mike Moustakis protected Joey Votto in the order, too. So, that's what we say when we say, like, Joey was done dirty. We're not saying it because he wasn't paid. He was definitely paid and earned his contract and then some. So, mm-hmm. that's all I'm saying about that. If you guys want to add to it, feel free to regard the next topic. The, no, no, the no, thing I, with him being done dirty is sorry, Ben. The the thing with him being done dirty for me, listen, the Joey didn't want a farewell tour, a retirement tour, because he's not retiring. And I, I get that. But I also know for a fact that the decision on the option, now not the decision that Joey wasn't going to be back or something else was going to be worked out or whatnot, but the decision on the option was made in early April. I know that for mm-hmm. a fact. So when they reached that final series in Pittsburgh, what no matter what Joey wanted, it could have been done in a way so that the fans, because I feel cheated. I flew, mm. I purposefully, when tickets went on sale last year, saw the writing on the wall and bought tickets for that final homestand. That's why I was in town, because I already knew that was going to be Joey's final game at Great American Ballpark as a Red. So I feel cheated that the Reds didn't give me more of an opportunity to show my appreciation to Joey besides exactly as loud yep. as I could during that at bat and during that game. And when they when they uh, pinch ran for him after his final hit, probably in Great American Ballpark as a Red, uh, I feel robbed. I not only does did Joey get done dirty there i feel like i got done dirty and i'm a guy that works really hard to be a reds fan and be Mm -hmm. in cincinnati and go to games and participate in this sport with this team i work hard at that and i feel like that the the ownership group and the the front office took away from me something that i should have been able to have which was that weekend and those moments with joey to to show him a little bit more appreciation yep Dude, I, and I couldn't put it any better than either one of you. Like, I, I, I feel the same exact way. I just think that um, he deserved – I just think he deserved better. I mean, he deserved better. Like, that guy 
for a long time was the only bright spot we had to cheer for. I mean, for a, for for season after season, he was the only bright spot we had. I, I mean, I just think we deserve better. We deserve better as fans, and he deserved better. Whether whether it was a farewell tour, retirement tour, whatever you want to call it, regardless of what you wanted to call it, like he deserved better, and as fans, we deserved better. Ooh, Robert Loper bringing the LNR trivia tonight. Who are the three teams Joey hasn't homered off of in his career? Cincinnati. Yeah, that's yeah. that's one. Um, I, I got the first one. You guys got to get the other two. <laughs> I'm trying to think of teams they didn't play a whole lot. But, uh, would would Seattle be one, Robert? Did he never homer off the Mariners? Because I think they did played he, here probably. They put, I think they played like three times in his career. Did he homer off Toronto? Hmm. I don't think he did. Seattle's not one. Okay. So. Yeah. Mr. Juan asked Tampa. I've seen them play Tampa. I saw him go against David Price once. That was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Tampa's one. All right. We got Tampa. Okay. Ooh. All right. Well, I'm going to get to the topic. So if anyone comes up with this, I'll make sure we give shout out. Shout out Robert for the LNR trivia. That was dope. Yes. Robert, I'm going to send you. Because of that, shoot me your address. I'm going to send you one of these, all right, my guy? So thank you so much for, for bringing us that fun conversation. Not Tampa. Okay. Oh, this is going to be fun. This um, is going to be fun. <laughs> all righty. So we brought him up earlier because of the Mark Sheldon article on MLB.com. Uh, the end of the road for Jonathan India. Steve just talked about the writing on the wall. Um, and I think that, you know, the writing for Joey. And I think the writing on the wall is at some point, if it's not this off season, at some point, if Nick, if Nick crawls gung ho and bringing Jonathan knee back come July, there's just no way. And this bums me out too, because I'm not saying I don't want him here. I genuinely really like Jonathan India. Mm-hmm. I think he's a fun dude to root for his rookie of the year season was a blast. Um, has really, really good career leadoff hitter numbers that for some reason they decided to just like boop him around a couple spots in the lineup. But overall, like, been a guy who's been fun as hell to root for for three years and mm-hmm. has bat- battled injury a lot in his second year. Uh, obviously, it's a year none of us want to remember. But I just can't see in a circumstance where if Joey Votto can't get consistent at-bats, how is Jonathan Indy going to get consistent at-bats? Because like you can make the argument for Joey, at least. It's like Christian Arconosti is right-handed hitter. Joey Votto's left-handed hitter. Uh, last I checked, Matt McClain's a right-handed hitter. So if you want to play the splits that David Bell seems to love so much, there's that, not that benefit either. You can go, well, we have a DH. It's like, okay, so how about this guy and this guy and this guy? I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of that bastard Jonathan India if he's here come the season starting next season. Um, so I have to imagine at some point, if he's like doing this to like kind of play possum, at some point he's going to catch up to him and it's going to go, I, I don't have anything for you, man. I'm sorry. I'm going to have to, I'm, I, I got to ship you somewhere. I don't agree with a lot of that. Um, okay. I think that I think that there will be at bats for Jonathan India if he's on this team when they break camp for opening day 2024. He will be the primary designated hitter and the fill in at second base and third base for days off. That's that will be his role. He'll still get pretty close to full time at bats doing those three things: designated hitter, relief second base, relief third base. What that means is Spencer Spencer Steer is going to be your primary left fielder, and we know how the rest of the dominoes fall: CES, McLean, De La Cruz, Marte. Uh, if you have to ask yourself, 
what are the most of all of the pieces the Reds could trade? Who is the most likely guy? Well, the answer to that is Jonathan India. But I think that Nick Crawl and the Reds organization may value India a little bit more than the rest of baseball values India. And part of that thought process, I think, will be to bring him back, get him at bats. And then if you need to flip him later for a power hitting outfielder, for some bullpen help in the stretch, for a fill in starter, whatever the need might be. Then you've got Jonathan India for that. But I don't I, I think Nick Crawl was telling the truth when in that Zoom press conference he said, you know, he's not, you know, he's not motivated to to trade Jonathan India. He's listening to offers for Jonathan India, but it's it's not it's not a scenario that you see teams in, say, at the all-star break when a guy's in the last year of his deal and they have to move him. The Reds don't have to trade Jonathan India. They can still have enough at bats for him. And it's different than Joey because Joey could do two things. He could play first base for you, uh, probably against right-handed pitching, and he could DH for you, probably against right-handed pitching. Uh, that is the extent of what he could give you. When you add in the extra positions, when you add in the fact that uh, India can play against both-handed pitching if you needed him to, uh, I, I think he gets his at bats. So I, I don't agree that I don't agree that he's just an odd man out and has to go. I think that if the Reds play this right. They could even raise his value more and then flip him for something valuable in a stretch run. That's absolutely fair. Absolutely fair. Yeah, I could see that. I, I, I think, I think the market controls what is done with India. I mean, like, like if they're not getting what they want as far as market value and what they see, like you said, Stephen, and what they see the value of India is, then they really, they, I mean, it makes sense. They're not motivated to move him because they really don't have anything worthy to move him for. So um, I, I think the, the market controls a lot of that and, and what what pieces they think that they could bring in and for a Jonathan India. So I, I, I can definitely see both sides of that. Yeah. So Mr. Wan asked, are we concerned about Steer's defense? He had like a 11, minus 11 run state and below average ever he played. Um, sure, but he hits well enough that I don't think about it. Uh, just being realistic, honestly. Um, I think if he's going to get you pop, they're going to they're going to live with what he does in left field. And then Sydney asks, uh, "Do you really think India could play third? I know he did in college, um, and he did a little bit in Daytona. I don't think he did in Double A because he didn't play Triple A, obviously, because that was the COVID year. Um, but at this point, sure. I mean, I don't think no, his yeah. arm, his arm was never the issue with how you know his defensive struggles. So." It's, it's two different questions. Are you asking, is Jonathan India starting third baseman in 150 starts? No, he's not. Is India a starting third baseman in 30 relief appearances of the primary third baseman? Sure he is. Um, he's got enough experience there to play that game. Uh, as far as Spencer Steer goes, remember that when he made his first start in left field for the Reds, up until that day, you... And Ben and I had the same amount of outfield experience in Major League Baseball <laughs> as he had. So yeah. he was learning on the job. I think that uh, he is a smart guy. You know, I interviewed him before his call up. He's a smart guy. He knows baseball. He loves to move around. He 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 truly is one of those whatever the team needs kind of guy. Uh, he's smart enough to look at the picture and know he's still going to play some outfield in 2024. And I guarantee you, he's been working with somebody all off season long to improve those defensive numbers. Yeah. Oh, dude, I'm, I'll put it on record right here. Uh, we're in uh, November 12th of 2023, so we have plenty of time before April of 24. Uh, Spencer Shear's hitting 30 home runs next year. That's happening. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Spencer Shear's an all-star next year. Calling yeah. it. So, yeah. So keep these receipts on late night Reds <laughs> infield evaluations. Um, all right, let's get to this. Uh, we kind of talked about this a second earlier, but realistic expectations for year two. We don't have to go through each player because that would be a long conversation. But realistic expectations for year two of Steer McLean, De La Cruz, CES, and Marte. We all kind of talked about this for a second earlier. You know, we all feel these guys are kind of scratch our surface. I think when a lot of people bring up Ellie's struggles, um, you know, it's a big jump from AAA to the majors. It's a big jump from, you know, you think you're going to play 130 games to playing 162 and in that article I've referenced multiple times in this episode, Sheldon himself mentioned that Ellie's goal this offseason is to work on making sure he can play 162 games. He's working on making sure he doesn't tire out. And I still firmly believe when I say that no one in baseball has a higher ceiling than Ellie De La Cruz. I just think that, you know, I love Julio Rodriguez. I love Ronald Acuna. Those guys, in my opinion, are the future of baseball. Uh, Cunha's likely going to be National League MVP here in a couple weeks. Um, but I think as far as like if L.A. De La Cruz is at the height of his superpowers, I take him over every single player in baseball. Yeah, that's that's fair. I think uh, of that group, I have I have three thoughts. Uh, the first thought is uh, I think you're absolutely right. And L.A. De La Cruz could could have the highest ceiling of anybody in baseball right now as far as young players go uh, i think that right now though matt mcclain's floor is higher i agree I, I totally agree i look at, I look at matt mcclain to be the leader of this group in 2024 i think he's going to be the pace setter for everybody else um he's going to be the guy i think he's going to be a four war all-star and you talk about spencer steer and what he's going to do matt mcclain is going to be at least four war he's going to be an all-star he's leading this group the other piece of this is i think that noel b Marte will be rookie of the year in 2024 he didn't exhaust his eligibility uh he showed us towards the end of I the like season he was, figured, he was figuring it out i think he's going to pick up right where he left off and from from opening day to the end of season he's going to be the leader in that rookie of the year conversation ultimately winning that award i love it yeah i do too i i do too i definitely uh, matt mcclain um fastly fastly became one of my favorite players uh, just for all the things that he can do and the things he brings. And you can already see his um, grasp of the leadership role on that team, like when he was playing. Like, I, I like him a lot. Um, but, I, I mean, I think all of those guys have so much so much potential uh, and room for growth. Um, I mean, CES to me was the one that kind of caught fire at the end of the year last year where I think that – He's going to be a guy as well that's going to be competing there for for um, all star bids and things like that because I I think that of those guys he was the one that was kind of building the most towards the end of the year so him and Marte were both red hot. I actually really like Mr. Juan's comment here and I I I mostly agree with it. I think we'll see a slightly better Elliot next year, but he won't reach his ceiling until twenty five or twenty six. Matty McLean will be the truth next year. I think mm-hmm. Matt McLean is your and it's saying a lot with the fact that he's on the same team as Ella De La Cruz. I think he's your face of the franchise. I think he's your next Joey Votto. Um, the way he plays, he's awesome. He's handsome. That doesn't hurt him by any stretch of the matter. Um, just incredibly talented, super fun. Really, everything started this year. This fun season started when Matt McClain got called up, right? When he got called up for that mm-hmm. series in Colorado that Sydney mm-hmm. broke the news in the episode in the chat. Mm-hmm. Um so I think he is your, I think he's your next dude. I think, I just really think he is. And he's a guy who like, feels like he's willing to be that dude as well. 
Yeah. If he performs the way we think he's going to in 2024, I'm ready to put the C on his chest. Same. I think he should be the next captain Same. of his team. The way he hustles, the way he plays, the the way he represents the team and baseball, there's no reason not to do it. If yep. if if he continues to be the guy that we think he's going to be, put it on his chest. Do it early. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Matt McLean is a uh rekindling the relationship between UCLA and the city of Cincinnati after Mick Cronin left. He's like bringing it back together. <laughs> so uh, Ben mentioned CES. I think he's going to, I think uh, obviously one of these guys is probably it's just, it's super unlikely that all five of these guys are just going to be live up to their expectations. Right. Um, CES is the one guy I could potentially see not be as good as we think they're going to be, but still be really good. I still think he's a, yeah. Every if he's everyday first base, I don't think he's a 26, 2700 guy homer guy at the worst. Um, I think he's a seven, you know, a seven ninety eight fifteen OPS kind of guy. Um, I'm I'm really high on him. So, but you know, it's just it's hard to think that like every single guy, if every single guy lives up to who they're who we think they're going to be next year, um, go ahead and give us that Mariners record because this, this team will be unstoppable. <laughs> oh, we still got to figure out who's playing. Okay, I forgot to play, yeah. That's yeah. next week's episode. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I hear you, but let's let's let back that truck up just a little bit till we figure out some of the um holes that need to be filled. Mr. What Moneyball Tommy, that good-looking baseball player, means he has confidence. There's just one problem. He's got an ugly girlfriend. Oh, oh. <laughs> ugly girlfriend. Me- no, that's the Moneyball reference, not Matt McLean. Wow, I highly doubt that a guy from that's Los getting that's getting clipped and posted by like a lot of people. Listen, hey, you gotta turn your Twitter off views, again. Listen, I need to say that the views expressed by Tim Daniels on uh, late night do not necessarily reflect the opinions or views of Stephen Offenbaker, Ben Brown, or any other podcast that we may have been on. No, I was referencing Mr. Wad's comment because he's referencing the, the comment the scout yeah. says in that meeting, which is like one of my favorite. Uh, listen to Nate Dodson talk about Moneyball and why it's overrated, and it's actually fair points, but I still love the movie. Um, so. I, I really appreciate Mr. Watt's comment there. And this has come up a couple times. So um, are Nick Senzel and Jose Brer on the Reds in 2024? And this is an interesting conversation because Jose Brer is out of options. As we've mentioned, Nick Crawl said that like 14 times already this offseason. Like the World Series is like two weeks ago, buddy. Like we get it. Um, Nick Senzel was under the impression he was going to be traded at the deadline. So there's that whole thing. So the conversation comes back to, um, I will say this. I think that it wasn't great, obviously. Like, no one's going to sit here and look at what Sinzel did this year and be like, oh, yeah, he was awesome. He was wonderful. He was fantastic. It was his best season. And it was the most he's played in a season. And what he is, obviously, against left-handed pitching is awesome and very valuable to a team. These are also two guys that have been, like, uh, Sinzel a little better than Barrero. Uh, you mentioned, you know, guys that you can put it, you can move around the field and play different positions. Uh, Senzel obviously being a natural infielder who, during his whole come up, I felt terrible for because he got moved everywhere around the diamond, but was just trying to get to the big leagues. Um, if India's back, like Steven kind of talks about, I have a hard time thinking both these guys are back. So if it came down to one or the other, realistically, I think they would pick Nick Senzel. Hmm. Uh well, I'm gonna disagree with you again. Jeff That's and I spent fine. some time talking about that earlier this year. First of all, if both of these guys are on the roster when the team breaks camp, we're in for, trouble. 
day. It's a it's a failure of the front office in the offseason. Just just there's no other way to put that. It is a clear cut failure of Nick Crawl if both of those players are on the Reds active roster come opening day. Uh, if you got to pick between one or the other, Nick Crawl has already told you the answer, and he's told it to you a hundred times since the World Series. Jose Barrero is going to be on this team. Uh, Nick Senzel is an interesting case because uh, I don't know if you caught it, but during the Joey Votto news, uh, Nick Crawl listed a bunch of names and then kind of at the end said Nick Senzel as well in this other group, but he kind of, you know, I think it caught him off guard. Like maybe somebody wrote his notes for him and he didn't realize they were slipping it in because um, <laughs> as soon as it came out of his mouth, it looked like it was a mistake. I think that the relationship between the Cincinnati Reds and Nick Senzel is so damaged at this point that uh, the player is not going to want to be around and there's really not going to be room for him given all the things we've discussed already. Uh, the best thing here is you you non-tender him. Uh, if they were to take his arbitrate, his projected arbitration value is plus three million. Uh, if they were to pick it up as of right now, he would be the highest paid player on the team. And I just don't see them doing that. I think that uh, if ever there was a player that needed a change of scenery, it's Nick Senzel. And I know his numbers look great against left-handers, but we talked about, you know, it would really be a choice between Senzel and India. And there's no question who yeah. wins that battle because you're talking about the playing time. So for me, I, I mean, I think that the name's going to get kicked around a little bit. Maybe Crawl's trying to find a deal during the offseason, during the GM meetings, during during the winter meetings to trade Nick Senzel for mm -hmm. some low A prospect that kind of needs a change of scenery as well. I think that's the most you could get for him. But when the dust settles, it will be Jose Barrero as the 26th man on this roster, and Nick Senzel will be playing for somebody else. That's my prediction. Yeah. I, I think that they're gonna they're gonna try to move him at some point in the offseason here. Um Unfortunately for Senzel, like he he is uh, of the guys that you're going to want to keep. I think that he is at the bottom of that list. So uh, I think they will try to move him. Um, I just don't know when or where or how. But uh, Stephen brings up a good point. Like, I just think he needs a change of scenery. I think that he needs to be in a different city. I think he needs to be somewhere else and um, and given a, a, another shot at because I do think he's a big league player. I just think he just needs another shot and, and another lineup. It's going to really be irritating next year, right? When it's like starting at third base for the Chicago White Sox, hitting 275 with 20 home runs, Nick Senzel. You're like, God damn it. Like, <laughs> like, this is all I ever wanted you to be. This is why I always like me. As long as it's not for the Cardinals, the Cubs, the Pirates, you know, or the Brewers, then. It That's sounds okay. like the Brewers might not have a lot of big league talent next year. It's not sounding very confident. Yeah, it's not them. sounding great. Mm -hmm. I mean, their manager just got up and left without telling anybody. We were talking, Ben and I were talking about this over text. Like, do you think David Ross knew he got fired? He read about it on Twitter, man. I, yep. I was the, they yep. did him dirty. They did him dirty. 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 They did him dirty. He's at home reading Twitter, drinking coffee, like, ah. Gonna go down to Florida here and do some like what? I I'm fired. Greg Castle can't be the manager. I'm the manager of the Cubs. What? That, that can't be right. Yeah, like because Ben texted. He goes, "Did you? Did you? Did you see that David Ross got fired?" And I was like, "No." He's like, "Well, Craig Castle just got hired to be their manager." And I was like, "What?" And so I like. Fact. 
I guarantee you he read it online somewhere and his first thought was, wow, they really screwed up. They must mean the White Sox. I guarantee you. <laughs> guarantee. And then, and then he got it. He probably didn't even get a phone call. They texted him. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure you probably read by now, but uh, thank you for your service. Thank you we have your thing. Your things are boxed and at the door. You can pick them up oh, in the lobby. You know, that's the I, worst. They box the stuff up. They changed the keypad code on it. Man. <laughs> codes, codes changed. We don't need your keys back. We changed the locks, bro. I remember. Oh, uh, I remember. Did any of you? Did any of you guys, by chance, this is super out of left field. But either of you guys read uh, Terry Francona's book by chance after he left the Red Sox. He co wrote with Dan Shaughnessy from the Boston Globe. It's awesome. It's a really good book. But the last chapter talks about that year before he went to Cleveland when he worked at Sunday Night Baseball. And, of course, Bobby Valentine got the Red Sox job. We all remember that was a nightmare, how terrible that was. And he talked about at one point he had to interview for ESPN. He had to interview Bobby Valentine and go into his old office that had the same exact desk and like sit on the other side of the desk that he sat in and won two World Series and talked to this guy who with his team just lost 95 games. Like, mm. I couldn't oh. imagine. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, since we said his name like 14 times, and I'm sure someone who's a regular listener to our show was wanting me to do it. Well, we're getting an email from YouTube tomorrow morning about that one. So <laughs> I guess we probably would if you more people would subscribe. Ooh. We're not too far away. But um Look at you calling Matt McLean's girlfriend ugly, calling out <laughs> your listeners. Dude, what, the hell, what the hell kind of show is going on around here? I, I had no idea. <laughs> I was referencing Moneyball. I'm sure Matt McLean's from Los Angeles. I'm sure his girlfriend's beautiful. I know. I know who you're never going to get to interview. Right. I know yeah. whose name's tops in that list now. I can't wait for out of context clips Tim Daniel to be a thing. It's like when yeah. uh, back at the original location of the show when uh, Chad Dotson was actually told that I talked shit about their show, and all of a sudden I got blasted on the riverfront one night, and I went, "What did I do?" That was kind of funny. Um, Robert did post in here. That the three teams Joey Votto's never homered against the Reds, obviously the Rangers and the Red Sox. Ooh. Oh wow. I guess that's yeah, that makes sense. Like how many times did they play the Red Sox? Like in his in his time here. I don't know. But um let's go ahead and real quick and then this is just something I threw together looking at spot track and looking at AAV. Um but any free agent and fielders worth signing to add to this team. So and these are names that have came up. And I'm not necessarily saying that these are guys I would put on the team. So I'm sure this is another out of context clip where Tim Daniels said they should sign Jimmer Candelario. No, I did not say that. <laughs> these are just names who've come up. And Candelario's actually had a bit, there was a baseball reference. I mean, a base, MLB trade rumors article that mentioned the Reds having interest in him. But uh, Candelario, Giovanni Urshela, Gene Segura, Brad Miller, Tony Kemp, and uh, Enrique Hernandez. The only one of these I could see, and again, these are not guys who could get traded. These are just guys who are going to have free agents and have decently not not huge contracts. Um, and I'm with Mr. Juan. No to all of them. But 
The only reason I could see Keek, uh, Hernandez is because he hits left-handed. If India comes back, like Steven's talking about, if Barrera's on the team next year, CES, McLean, you know, Ellie's a switch hitter, obviously. There's Marte, Tyler Stevenson. Uh, there's going to be right-handed outfielders. Um, that's the only one that's correct. But I don't think either of those guys will come here. Uh, Candelario just hit like 800 for the national for the Cubs after the trade there for a short bit. So I'm sure some team's going to bid for him and I don't want him. Just going to be honest. I don't want him. You know, let's put this in perspective that this whole Candelario thing started with a tweet from Heyman who knows absolutely nothing about what's really going on. Um, how that guy still has a job. I don't know. Um, he's never right. And it's never real. So I don't put any stock in this. If we're going to play, land of make-believe for a second and think that there might have been a conversation. The only way it would make sense is if there's other deals that the Reds are close to finalizing and they feel like they're going to replace somebody. And then you have to ask yourself, well, he would be replacing CES. So what the hell kind of deal are the Reds working on that they need right. to bring Delario? Um, for me, nobody else on that list jumps out at me, but I'm kind of getting on the Teoscar Hernandez bandwagon for free agents. That's next week. Okay, never mind. <laughs> well, whoever next week says they should sign Teoscar Hernandez is brilliant. Yes. <laughs> it could be you if you're not busy. I don't know. <laughs> I don't care. But yeah, I, I definitely am all on board for Teoscar Hernandez. Trust me. Um, I saw a lot of people were like, what if they went and got Joey Gallo? I'd be like, what the hell's the point in that? You're going to pay him $16 million to play every so often? Yeah, the I, I, the I truly there. If we're doing this by infield outfield, there I don't see any scenario where they really go out and sign anybody that plays infield. Um, you know, yeah. maybe a maybe a waiver wire depth kind of deal for spring training, but n nobody nobody that's gonna be a legitimate candidate to be an active roster guy. I don't see him putting resources towards the infield. The infield's confused enough right now um all of the dollars are going to go outfield pitching etc cetera, etc cetera. yeah um i i agree um i'm still on my point that i'm going to stand by forever and i know it's not going to happen but i want it to happen and it makes a lot of sense that Roland chapman should be on the reds next year setting up for alexis ds okay suck it i don't care i'm going to stand by it so <laughs> well, i said that this week too and and uh jeff i've been jeff saying this since june steven it was my, it was my Jeff gave me pushback on it, actually. Uh, he wasn't really on board with it, but um, I feel like that is a good signing. Uh, if we're going to talk relief pitching for just a hot second, I think that uh, I think that would be a great setup guy or closer B uh, so that they can maybe not run Alexis Diaz arm into the ground in 2020. Man. Maybe have another guy that can pitch in the ninth inning every once in a while. Um you know, it was remarkable what this Reds bullpen did in 2023. You know, uh, Lucas Sims pitched in 20 more games than he ever had in his career coming off a major back injury. I was going to say, he was hurt for a month. Like, yeah, Alexis Diaz, Alexis Diaz pitched, uh, you know, in 25 more games over his rookie season. Uh, Buck Farmer pitched in his, the second most games of his career. And Ian Jabot, I don't know if you know this or not, but his first year in Cincinnati, they more than doubled the amount of games he appeared in from his previous high. And then last year they doubled that number. 
So uh, I I think someone is mad at Ian Jabot and they really would like to see his arm fall off his body. Um, you know, maybe that's a ticket selling ploy. I don't know, but um, I'm interested to see how Ian Jabot recovers from what was done to him last season because uh, he was worked. I think as like a lower leverage guy, he would be really, really good. Yeah, for sure. But the, but the situation the Reds had to put him in because of what their like bullpen picture was, not for him. And that's not a bad thing. Believe me, you can still make 2.5 mil being like the seventh inning guy when you're up five runs. Nothing wrong with that. Um, but yeah, Mr. Juan said, uh, would Aroldis be okay not closing for his next team? I don't think so. I don't know what his market would be if it's like for being the closer on a team because I think there's like he definitely changed his mechanics after the Yankees fiasco. Um, and you know, Texas was like. You know, he wasn't even closing for Kansas City uh, when they when they had before they traded him to Texas for that short stint of the season. So I don't know. Um, do I think he probably would jump more to switch switches to be a closer than like what the Reds could offer him? Sure, um, but I don't I don't know. And he also says Brandon Williamson option for lefty number one in the pen. I am not against that. I just don't see it happening. Um, I just feel like with what they're at here. So we're like 10 minutes, like short of our normal time. Um, this is just kind of, I don't know, messing around, I guess, but see how many people can find my, my clips and take it out of context. Um, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. All right. Well, this was a lot of fun. I'm really glad you guys, I'm really glad Steve. I finally got you back on here. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. It's a, it's nice. It, it gives me an opportunity to to screw around a little bit more than I normally get to. You know, being you know when I started podcasting, you know, we all kind of have the similar stories, right? Launch our own thing, doing it for fun, doing it in the hopes that maybe it becomes something. And then you know somewhere along the way, I, you know, Jeff decided to to pick me up for Locked On, and you know it became a very different thing. You know, we we have we have bosses and we have people we're accountable to and, and things like that. So it doesn't necessarily lend itself to always showing the amount of personality that I would like to show sometimes and say things that I would like to say sometimes, but um, it's great <laughs> to come over here and, and, you know, let my hair down a little bit. <laughs> oh yeah. We need to get you and Nate on a show together and just have like the just bald as beautiful episode of uh, reds podcast. Oh, it'll be great. And, and, you know, pitch it to him. If he wants to do it, I'm happy to do this the entire episode so that he feels more comfortable. I know what it's like. <laughs> I know what it's like. I know what it's like to live in Appalachia. Uh, so I will do whatever it takes for him to feel welcomed and, and being able to embrace a conversation with me. <laughs> I absolutely love it. Um, all right. Well, we're going to go ahead and close this out. Of course, those of you who do listen to us probably know you can check out Steve on Locked on Reds. But if you aren't for some reason or another, first off, you're doing it wrong. Because other than, you know, me and Ben, of course, him and Jeff are the mm-hmm. best podcast, one of the best podcast combos in the Reds field. Besides me and Ben. And I think I might put Chad and Nate up there, but Chad's so busy now. He doesn't do these all the time anyway. So um, he's doing big time stuff. But Check out Steve every day, Monday through Friday on Locked on Reds. Also, check out Aloha Friday, one of the best things Steve does. Hawaiian Shirt Fridays oh, on yeah. his episodes. I think you need to invite Ben on one of these. You guys can just Hawaiian shirt it out. Oh, oh yeah. totally do it. Did you? I don't know if you caught it last Friday, but I mean, Jeff was doing his best Tom Selleck impersonation. Like, 
Oh, nice. (laughs) I think he only had one button done on the shirt and then just had like the escape of the chest hair, right? Like it was just (laughs) trying to climb onto his camera. So he was, he was doing his best eighties Tom Selleck for sure. Perfect. Actually funny enough this Friday. um, So Sean, who is the host of NBA Friday with me on Riverfront U. Um, it's just like our passion project show. We're doing his 40th birthday party on Friday and he's doing a yacht rock party. So I get to Hawaiian shirt at Friday night. There you go. Yeah, baby. I'm going to be jammed to some Christopher cross. Can't Heck wait. Yeah, baby. Awesome. Well, everyone have a good one. Be sure to check out all the riverfront shows. It's the riverfront. You probably don't want to check out riverfront Bengal show today. No one, no one want to check things out today. Um, yeah. Be sure to check out Nate and Chad and whoever, Bill Lack, the, the podfather himself on Fridays. Um, be sure to check out Riverfront U. we got a lot of great content there. We've been slammed this first week of college sport, basketball being back. Um, and then, of course, NBA Friday, where we just kind of act like some knuckleheads and talk about the league. So, Also, if you aren't joining our Patreon already, patreon.com. Subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already. And of course, whatever podcast app you listen to us on, give us one of those nice solid reviews, please. It means a lot to us. And shop at riverfrontcincy.com. We're out. See everybody. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.